up, everybody? Thanks again for checking out the show. This is another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I'm your host, Mike Bauman. That's right. We got a new name for the pod. Um, it's good to be back doing the show. Thanks again to everybody who checked out the last episode with Ryan Waiten of Tropic Bombs, my good buddy. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you stay up to date with those guys and the new stuff that they're going to have coming up in the future. It was a lot of fun to be back, and um, it's a lot of fun to be doing this again. I've missed it. And, you know, you start to get a little bit reflective, uh, a little bit more reflective as you get older and think about the things that you miss doing and the things that you enjoy. And, you know, my life is great. I can't complain. You know, I'm, I'm definitely um, somebody who's been very lucky. You know, God um, has really blessed me a lot in my life with a great family and a great group of friends and then I you know moved down here and met a lot of great people and, and have another great group of friends down here so met my girlfriend who I love dearly she's awesome shout out to Trina so you know I'm a lucky dude man but um all that being said like like I mentioned on the last show I just I just had that itch that I needed to scratch again you know when it came to this kind of stuff and being creative so so it's fun to be back so it's it's humbling uh that that people are checking out the show um, that a few people have, you know, I've heard have been inspired and, you know, want to record with Ryan or at least one in particular, I should say, wants to record with Ryan. And so it's, you know, that's that's awesome to hear, man. That's the whole goal. Of this is it isn't just for me to just, you know, run my mouth and spit my views out to people. It really is about the guests and it's about connecting with people and hopefully inspiring people. And I don't mean that in a self-righteous way at all, man. I, I really think that's what's awesome about podcasting and music and entertainment you know, when when used in the right form and when used in the right way, it's a great way to connect with people and it's a great way to to stay in touch with people. So that's the whole goal. Is uh, so so touching on the new name March fourth. You might go, man, why why March fourth, Mike? That's interesting. Well, my birthday is actually March fourth. You know, F O U R T H, obviously, right? The date. Uh, the name of the podcast March fourth with Mike Bauman. Um, F-O-R-T-H is, I just felt like it was a good mantra, you know, and, it, and there's other people who have used it. In fact, it's, you know, I, 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 I looked up and it's been, it's been trademarked, I think even for at least one charity, you know, so hopefully, uh, hopefully nobody comes at me for the name for the podcast, which is why I'm saying March 4th with Mike Bauman, because that whole thing isn't trademarked. So, but anyway, I digress, probably me worrying about stuff I don't need to worry about. But, you know, when I came back, and brought back the podcast. I just felt like, you know what, it's, it's a it's a new beginning. Um, you know, what can I bring to this format that's a little bit different? You know, obviously, I'm just a regular dude, man. I'm just the dude, man. Um, so I have, you know, my, my core friends and family, you know, obviously people who love me and support me who are going to check out the show. And, and you know, there, there are people who have listened in different countries throughout the world over the years, which is really awesome. Um, and checked out the show and it's it's really humbling i mean to to think that there's people oceans away and time zones away who who somehow have stumbled upon this and again that goes back to what i said a few minutes ago about connecting but you know i felt like what can i contribute you know there's so many shows out there you know and obviously you know you with the rogans and the corollas and um you know the bill simmons of the world you know all those people are people who were well-known people um before they started doing podcasts you know so they had audiences that already followed them from their comedy or you know bill simmons's case his sports writing you know and adam carolla's case he you know he was doing radio you know and, and love line and the man show you know so 
you know, for a guy like me, just a just a regular person in the world, you know, what what can I bring to the format that's a little bit different? What can I can contribute? you know, to, to this medium that people will want to check out and will want to listen to and, you know, and, and not just have, have it be, you know, a podcast where, Hey, this is me doing music interviews or whatever. And as fun as that is, like when I thought about coming back, I'm like, what, what can separate me, you know, and, and, and be this, make this something that people will want to check out if they don't check out every show, you know, something where maybe they'll listen and go, hey, I'm going to have to check that out again. So anyway, I'm ranting now, which I do very well. But I was thinking about that and I thought, you know what, I, I feel like March 4th is good because it's it's a positive mantra, you know, and I look at my life and, you know, sometimes where, you know, worry and anxiety and overthinking have gotten the best of me. You know, those are still three things that I continue to work on and improve on on a daily basis. Um, I felt like March 4th was just like a good mantra, you know, and I was thinking about new names for the show. And that was one of those things that just kind of stuck out to me. I was like, okay, what if I just do like March 4th minus the U, like it's my birthday, you know, um, so there's already kind of like a good karmic thing there. And then I just dropped that U and March 4th can be kind of a positive thing about, you know, inspiration and perseverance and, you know, in the words of Joe Dirt, keep on keeping on, you know, but in all seriousness, that's what I'm looking at it as, you know, I think a lot of us, not just myself, can spend a lot of time living in the past or worrying about the future, and you miss out on the present when you do that. You rob yourself of joy. So March 4th is really just a positive mantra about you know waking up every day and doing your best to be present in the moment and to absorb life. You know, be good to people, do unto others. You know, we all slip up from time to time. And there's things you wish you wouldn't have said or you wish you wouldn't have done, and you know we're human. None of us are perfect. We all have good days and bad days, but. I feel like it's just a good reminder for myself, and I thought it would be a good reminder for other people out there. And as far as a good theme for the show, you know, I mean, I like to let conversations be conversations, but um, I feel like, especially, you know, as it's going to relate to this show, with its, you know, being music um, related or entertainment related with some of the conversations, um, I felt like that was just a good mantra and a good tie in because in that realm, there's a lot of, you know, perseverance. There's a lot of, adversity that gets thrown the way of of many bands and artists who I've had on the show in the past and you know artists that I'll have on the show in the future where you know oftentimes we see the end result with the music that we listen to or the movies that we watch you know we see the end result with all those folks we don't see the grind of like you know what it was like for them when they left their hometown or they were living out of their car or they got rejected time and time again I remember you know seeing uh the graduation speech that charlie day gave at his um at his college you know i think they i think they might have made him an honorary gave him an honorary doctorate too but he talked about how he had people tell him he would never work in comedy you know and he you know turning down a sitcom so that he could film stuff in his apartment with his buddies that he thought was funny and that ended up becoming it's always sunny in philadelphia now it's one of the longest running shows on tv like there's all those things that we don't see you know, that get people to where they are. And obviously we all can relate to having some type of adversity along the way in our lives. And some of us might be going through it right now. So I just felt like it's a good mantra and a good theme for the show um, and sharing conversations where maybe, you know, myself and the guests will open up a little bit about some of that stuff. I feel like that could that could help people too. And again, I, I don't want to sound self-righteous. You know, who am I? I'm just a 31-year-old dude on this spinning ball trying to think figure things out just like everybody else but i just felt like it was a good kind of a positive mantra for the show 
um, that I that I thought was cool, and hopefully other people will dig it too. So anyway, that's that's the the reason from the name change from Bombs Breakdown to March fourth. You know, Bombs Breakdown was the name of my column going all the way back to high school, and I just kind of stuck with it, and I just felt like it was a good new change. So there you go. And speaking of uh, good new things, the episode this week, which by the way, I'm going to do two a month. I haven't decided yet if it's going to be bi-weekly, like I'm going to do one every two weeks. Or I'm sorry, no, that would be twice a week, duh. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to do like one every two weeks or if it'll be one every three weeks, but you'll definitely get two weeks of, or two episodes a month. And that's that's kind of works out with my time schedule and as far as organizing guests and stuff while holding down you know, um, a regular job, so to speak, you know, um, it's, it's, it's extra time on top of everything else in my life to do this. And I enjoy doing this, but that was one of the things coming back to it. I wanted to be consistent as well. So, um, that, that's what it's going to be though. It'll be two episodes a month. We'll see if it ends up being more than that, how, how the ball rolls with it, but it'll be two episodes a month. Haven't quite decided yet if it's going to be again, once at one, every two weeks, or one every three weeks, but it'll definitely be two episodes a month. So uh, this week's guest, which brings me to it. Sorry, I was probably really loud in your headphones just now when I did a little drum roll on my table. Um, this week's guest is somebody I've known my whole life, actually. Um, and it's somebody that I've, I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time, just because he was the one, as you guys will hear, that kind of... Uh, kind of got me into some of the music that I listen to. And even though my tastes have expanded as I've gotten older, as all of our tastes do, um, he was the dude that I that I looked up to and, and the one that first started to get me going down that whole rabbit hole of heavy music. And that is none other than my brother, Brandon. He is my oldest brother, Brandon Bauman. Um, I love him dearly. And, uh, you know, having him on the show was just a lot of fun. We, we touched on a lot of a lot of different topics. And you know, I never knew how he got into the kind of music that, that he listened to. So I wanted to get him on here and talk about that. And uh, we had a lot of fun. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with my brother, Brandon Bauman. Here it is. But no, man, it's, it's good to catch up with you. I, uh, it's 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 been one of the shows that I've been wanting to do for a while and just getting the podcast going again because you were you were like the first person that uh kind of got me going down the rabbit hole with heavy music and stuff and even though my tastes have changed and expanded as I've gotten older like all of ours does like that's still music that that speaks to me a lot so I was like man it would be cool to get Brandon on here and like shoot the breeze about music and stuff growing up because we've always i mean we always talk about bands and stuff all the time like at some point or another i feel like music always comes up when we see each other or hang out or whatever yeah. when i used to live back home so uh thanks for taking some time with me today man i appreciate it oh yeah it's just like conversations we normally have but anyway might as well lay it down yeah but uh so brandon Bauman. no i'm just kidding <laughs> oh man <laughs> That would be funny if I did the whole thing in the radio voice. Well, no, it would be funny for like 10 minutes and then people would turn it off. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, so for people listening to this, I mean, there's probably a lot of people that know us who are going to listen to this. But, but for people who don't know us that listen to us, uh, listen to this podcast, 
Brandon's my older brother. We're six years apart. So, you know, in the mid-90s, as far as music goes, there was a lot of stuff going on. You had, like, the early grunge movement in the early 90s, and then in the mid-90s, you had bands emerging like Korn, which kind of started what became known as new Metal. And you were a teenager right in the middle of all that stuff. And I, I always remember as a kid, the two bands that I remember the most you being into at that time were like Metallica and Korn. In fact, I, this is how crazy vivid my memory is. I still remember you had like a maroon Korn t-shirt. I don't know if you even remember, but I remember hanging out at like Bowen. I remember. I, believe it or not, I still have that. I, I've gone through so many wardrobes that I've thrown all kinds of stuff away, even recently, and I still have that. I still still won't throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I remember going to like Bowman Pool and you wearing that, you know, in probably like the mid-late 90s. So, I, you know, what I wanted to ask you is, is what was like, yeah, Bowman Pool, it doesn't even exist anymore. Um, that's how you know we're getting older too when stuff just doesn't exist anymore when you're a kid you you hear you know your parents talk about stuff like oh yeah I remember that used to be there and you always it just sounds so like so much beyond you you know no you know you're getting old when they tear down a Y in your lifetime (laughs) yeah exactly yeah oh my gosh but um but yeah what what was it that drew you to that music or what what was like the first song or the first album cuz cuz there was a lot of other stuff going on at that time too I mean you had you had a lot of like 90s R&B and and hip hop there was alternative rock there was you There's know a few had... memories I have of like first being introduced to that kind of music as far as like a specific time I don't know it was more of a transition where you just kind of hear things here and there like, I remember hearing it Smells Like Teen Spirit play on Saturday Night Live, and my friend Kenny had just got a new tape at the time, tape, and told me that, told me that, that he's like, I got, a new, I got a new thing I want you to listen to. He's like, you want to try to guess what it is? And gosh, and that, you're talking like the early 90s. Like I would have had been like 91 when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, so that would have, that would have made me like only 9 or 10 years old, and I still had seen it, because like you only had like three channels, so of course I saw that episode of Saturday Night Live. I was like, is it Nirvana? He's like, how'd you know that? I'm like, I just thought that that'd be something like we would like. <laughs> but but I, the, the transition is weird, because you're talking about a, a kid that was listening to probably like six months or a year before that was listening to MC Hammer and Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> so like the transition is kind of weird. Like, you know what I mean? The first, you know, the first, like, thing i ever really got into that was like heavier was like the you know the black album i remember being at my cousin's house and, he, and they had mtv and just seeing the uh the video it wasn't even entertainment i know that was like the one you would think it would be it was it was uh the unforgiven and that video was just so creepy and like almost epic to me at that age and like there's just the melody behind it and the heaviness and the crazy creepy guitar solo and i remember just thinking that was awesome and i wasn't even allowed to listen to that kind of music so i remember i had to go to dad's house because i you know people don't know no i don't know i like didn't live with mike i lived with my mom and my stepdad my stepdad didn't let me listen to that that bad music like that <laughs> back then anyway he's eased up quite a bit since he had other kids after me i was the guinea pig <laughs> so i had to go i had to go to a friend's house when i would go to dad's house our dad's house i would go to my friend's house across the street you know tyler and then I would I made his older brother go buy it for me, and then I snuck it home. <laughs> <laughs> like that's exactly how that went too. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, right around that time too, in like the, you know, 
I think it was like the mid to late 80s when, when all the parental advisory, or maybe it was the early 90s too when all that stuff. I think it was Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, was one of the people that was kind of leading the charge on that movement. And it was like, that's that was like one of the big targets was like heavy metal and hip hop. Like it, it's, it's, it's. There was like a couple things. There was like you had at one, at one end of the spectrum, you had D. Snyder. Showing up to showing up to Congress with his hair shaved up the sides and his pony pulled back in a ponytail, or however he had it, wearing like a jean jacket and just like dressed like absolutely not like he went to like he went to Congress. But then he then he starts talking. He just sounds really smart defending the music. So they were going after stuff like that, calling it devil's music and all the rumors about Ozzy Osbourne. And then the other end of the spectrum, you had you know Ice T's cop killer, and that was of course like like really harsh, you know, shock to the system at the time too. So they were just going after just music in general. Like, it wasn't just Mariah Carey anymore, at least that version of Mariah Carey back then, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting how far, how far things have come now, but um, I, I always feel like it's, it's, it's an easy target. You know, heavy music is an easy t- especially when you look at the 80s heavy music, because a lot of it, like the imagery, like with Iron Maiden and Dio, there was a lot of, like, demonic and, like, monstery type, you know, fantasy oh, yeah. type stuff, you know? <laughs> Well, like, well, you know, Alice, before, before, uh, well, it was Alice in Chains before it was Marilyn Manson, you know what I mean? It was every, every generation had theirs. Like, our parents were listening to Alice Cooper, but then they're telling us not to listen to Marilyn Manson. It was just as, it was, you know, it was just a, it was just a new version of it. <clears throat> so, Smells Like Teen Spirit, that's the one that sticks out to you as far as, you know, what ended up getting you going down, like, that rabbit hole, that, and that, the Unforgiven video? It was that, and I remember my friend John, John Rupel let me borrow the uh, Offspring Smash CD that he had, and because uh, I remember hearing a song on the radio that I kind of liked, and I remember that was like, you know, that was the first ever punk CD I ever had. And, you know, back then I didn't even really know that I was listening to punk. I just thought it was it was fast and heavy and and like kind of angry, and just thought it was awesome. You know what I mean? The you know the one the one album that really sticks out to me, and it's not you know people most this probably wouldn't be on most people's radar, but was the, the Nativity and Black tribute to Black Sabbath album. There was like so many heavy bands on there that I ended up going and looking up on my own every one of those bands on that album because I didn't know very many other bands. Like Sepultura was on there, uh, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, of course. Um, Megadeth was on there. Biohazard, which isn't even, like, I don't even really like them, but I you know, remember like looking up anything that was on there. Like I just thought it was all heavy. White Zombie was on there. Like all these heavy bands were on there. And like I kind of, so that kind of branched me out into like just kind of just searching for other heavy bands just based off one song I heard on that collection. You know what I mean? And it wasn't even their song. It was just a cover song, but I just liked, I just liked the sound of like everything on there, even the artwork and the album work. I kind of just remember kind of, kind of thinking that was cool. I don't know why. You, you know, you, as as that age, you kind of relate to stuff that you know is like angry and anti or establishment or whatever it may be. But it just it just vibed with me. So was that the first? Was that the first album that you bought, or that was just like the first one that really stuck with you? No, I borrowed that from my cousin, and I I don't honestly I can't I, my memory's not real clear on exactly why. I think he was listening to it, and I just kind of thought it was cool. Something like that, like you know how you say you looked up to you looked up to me, but like I looked up to him. Like I remember when I moved over to my cousin's house, he was like two, only like two or three years older than me. But, you know, when you're young, like that's that's all that's a lot. You know, what I mean, a couple of years in high school is like you know you're just like a kid looking at a grown man. You know, yeah. <laughs> you think they're so awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like nowadays, you know, nowadays it's nothing. You know, and when you once you get you know once you get in your mid twenties and even more so in your thirties. But back then, I just thought everything that he was doing was cool. He had like stuff like, yeah, I remember he had a, the, uh, 
the CD booklet for Ugly Kid Joe like unfolded into that Statue of Liberty thing. You remember that? I remember the band Ugly Kid Joe, but I don't think I had that. No, it was like the Statue of Liberty poster that that he would, that he took out and like tacked on his wall. Like, like back then, it was like that was like kind of badass. Like all in all, like he you know he had like posters of the crow and you know what I mean. He just had all this cool stuff that I just thought was cool, and I kind of like idolized him a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like there's always somebody. You know, as you get older, you kind of just gravitate towards the stuff that you have an ear for, whatever whatever kind of, like, tickles your fancy or whatever. But I feel like when it comes to music, especially when you're a kid, all you're really exposed to is whatever is playing on the bus when you're going to school or whatever your parents are listening to. You know, like, Dad, you know, our dad's always was always into, like, you know, classic rock. But I, specifically within that, I, I remember him playing all the time in the living room for people who don't know our dad is very handy which i didn't get that gene um but he was always good at like hooking stuff up and building stuff and uh he had a pretty nice he's always had a pretty nice entertainment system like in the living room so growing yeah, up as a, a kid he had that really badass pioneer stereo with you know with the, with the you know the steel knob on everything like i i think he said he still had it i told him at this point that, that those things are cool to have like you know what i mean he just had it forever because he just didn't why update something that doesn't need to be updated but <laughs> yeah. but now that thing's like sweet now people look back on it just the same way people want to play records again you know what i mean like that thing's sweet again you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and it's and it's one of those funny sayings too, where they they don't make them like they used to. All those old record players, those Denon record players and stuff. And I remember he had um, he had two really nice, kind of like taller speakers in the living room. So I always remember him playing like Eric Clapton. Um, I remember him playing Tom, Skinner. Tom Petty. Tom, Tom Petty. Petty and, dire oh, yeah. Straits was another one that he was kind of into for a little bit. Um, yeah. So we had that influence, and then my mom was was really into more of like the '80s pop. She loves the Police and Sting, um, Talking Heads, all of that. Duran Duran, like the new wave stuff. But then in the early '90s, it was kind of funny, which that was one one thing I wanted to talk to you about too. Is they both kind of scratched the surface of stuff that we were into because I remember Dad having a Dishwalla tape. You remember Dishwalla? I, he yeah, I remember a, him playing that car. You listen to that? He had he had Allison Chains unplugged. Yep, yep. And uh, and my mom had uh, she had gotten into like Pearl Jam, so it's kind of funny yeah. like that generational shift. But um, but but that's what I was always curious about with you, like what what those first bands and songs were that kind of got you going down the rabbit hole. Because for me, um, I want to say it was Metallica had cut their hair at that point, which which made like all the metal heads heads explode. And at that point, that thrash yeah, metal scene that they had come out of the load the load album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that the thrash stuff started to kind of grunge kind of took over in the early '90s when 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 that whole Seattle Pacific Northwest scene sub pop records when that all exploded that kind of became like the new thing. Um, to the point where like Gap ads and stuff had like flannel shirts. It's so crazy. Um, oh yeah. So thrash metal and hair metal kind of started to to kind of go by the wayside, and then by the time Corn came out, I think their first record was what like ninety four, um, and Blind and all that kind of made everybody spin on their heads. 
Sorry, I'm going to mute you off. No, when you're they, good. Yeah, when Corn first came on the scene, like I remember they were at they were at freaking Lollapalooza in like '94, and I didn't really catch on to them then. Like I remember thinking, I think I heard shoots and ladders on the Buzz Brawl and Buzz 1065 The Zone. <laughs> back when, no, no, it wasn't even 1065 The Zone. It was just Buzz 1065 back then. Yeah. I just I just combined two variations by that by accidentally they became the Zone and then they became Rock 106 or whatever they went through several variations but back then they would do the battle of the bands where like people would call in and say what song they liked more and shoots and ladders won for like you know twenty thousand years in a row <clears throat> and I, I remember just listening to that i remember my my stepdad came in one time and he was like what is that you should what are you listening to like they turned the crap off <laughs> i remember like dad dad there's it's just nursery rhymes <laughs> But like that didn't cut it because he's just like yeah, but it's very angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like it didn't awesome. even matter. It doesn't even matter what they're singing about. He just hears it. He's like, turn that off. That's terrible. <laughs> like you don't even know what they're singing. They're singing nursery rhymes. <laughs> the video of that, if you go back and watch that, is super trippy. The shoots and how did that go? Again, I don't really remember. I remember the video for Blind. Uh, the shoots and ladders video. It was just really like. I mean, it was like it was like it played out kind of like a, it was like a dream, like it, the, just the, the the imagery. The it was a really it's a trippy video that goes perfect with that song. I mean, they're to me their best music video is always going to be "Freak on the Leash" with the bullet going through everything. That was awesome, but um, yeah. but yeah, when they came on the scene in the mid '90s, that that took heavy music in another direction, and then and then I think new metal kind of you had like the post grunge stuff too, you know. Um, all that alternative scene you had like rem smashing pumpkins all those bands but i remember for me like you were talking about smells like teen spirit um and in oh. the unforgiven video for me the the song at that time when i was a kid was um uh off a load until it sleeps and i remember watching that video on mtv which that's pretty heavy now that i look back on it like to be like an eight-year-old kid watching the until it sleeps video with like all like the demon imagery and stuff and like i remember they were like they had like the dirt all over like james hetfield but i remember that song i i just thought that that song was like so awesome and they were actually playing it on the radio it was probably 1065 it still holds up that song still holds up in my opinion you know it's funny to hear your perspective on that coming from from your point of view because if you look back on things now like what is like what is five years it's nothing you know what i mean especially for like you know in the music industry it's like nothing but but back then there was so much change going on with with rock and roll and metal you know in the grunge scene like you said so for me by the time like load came around like i felt like i had already like been a huge metallica fan for so long and you really you're only talking like since like 91 yeah you know what i mean but I already had my walls covered, and I felt like for the the uh, when did the Follow the Leader by Corn came out? I think was it was like 98. 90, 90, 97, 98 or something like that. Yeah, I remember when that. I remember when that came out. Like Load had already come out, and like Metallica wasn't the Metallica that I kind of like kind of fell in love with. And uh, I remember feeling like I was making a huge decision by saying that Corn is my new favorite band, as if, it, <laughs> as, if, as if it mattered to say. You know what I mean? You can't like both, you know. But back then, it was like, no, man, I'm moving on. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff I mean? like that when you're a kid, it, and like you said, I mean, five years when you know you're 36, I'm 31. Like it feels like yesterday, right? But when you go from like nine to like. 
14, like there, there's a lot of life in there. You know what I mean? And, and there's a lot of influence in there. Well, you, you, I mean, you, you literally grow a foot in that amount of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's, what's funny to me. Like, I remember, I remember that song. I remember, I remember you actually coming over on a weekend. Cause like Brandon said earlier, uh, you know, we have the same dad, different moms. He lived with his mom. I lived with my parents. So Brandon would usually come over like every other weekend and uh, when we were growing up. So he would come over and he'd bring over like his Super Nintendo and stuff like that. Um, sometimes he'd be a little crabby about us touching it or playing it, but but every now and then. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, I remember I you com- coming over one week. <laughs> I'm looking back, I know I was. I was angry at both ends of the stick. I was angry at my house. I was angry when I came to your house. I'm just angry. Maybe that's why I love that all that scary music so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of growing up, but um, but I do remember. I think it was probably around like Christmas time, and I was probably in like maybe third grade. So this is like ninety seven, ninety six. I was like nine, and I remember us going to Best Buy with Dad, and you had gotten some Christmas money or a gift card or something. Well, this is probably pre gift card, so it's probably cash. And I remember back when Best Buy was, you know, music was it. Now it's TVs and everything else. I don't even think they sell CDs anymore if they do. Like, Dude, back, then, back then it was half, half of it was CD shelves. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going in there and you got the Metallica, um, the the live binge purge or whatever. You got like that whole box set on like VHS. Oh, yeah. three, three CDs, three VHS tapes, and it had like a bunch of artwork. It had a stencil for the like the skull and bones guy with his middle fingers up. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember you coming back and watching that a little bit in the living room, and I can't remember if if my mom or dad's you know if dad said something like turn it off or whatever because it was you know it was Metallica it was loud and it was videos from I mean they had stuff from the eighties I think that concert from Seattle was on there. Um, yeah, James Hetfield drinking on stage and everything and every other word that came out of his mouth was was f. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I have vivid memories of that stuff, man. And actually, like, the first CD that I got, speaking of, of that time, uh, CD Warehouse over on Monroe Street. I remember my mom taking me there. It was, like, a Saturday or a Sunday. And I, I think it was, like, Easter money I had for my grandpa. And we went there. And I was a kid, so I didn't know the names of any of the albums or anything like that. I just knew, like, oh, Metallica, like, Brandon likes Metallica. I love Unforgiven, <laughs> you know. I was, like, a nine-year-old yeah, kid. Yeah. So we walked into the store, and I just got literally, like, one of the first Metallica things I saw. And back then, when CDs were, like, really making money and, and people were making a lot of money in the music business, way different than it is now, I digress. But they would come out with, like, the single you know so like whatever the single was you would have like you know until it sleeps from metallica and then there might be like one or two live tracks on there or like a demo and i just remember yeah yeah and i remember getting like it it just said metallica until it sleeps and it had like one of those uh like you see in the movies it was like a like a blotch you know like what what do you see in this image and that was kind of like what was on the cover and they had the until it sleeps the the track and then it was like a couple of live tracks and i put it in the the living room entertainment center that we were talking about that dad had and turned it up until it sleeps comes on i'm jamming and then like the next song is just a live track of metallica 
and James Hetfield was uh, I, those who I believe were still back in the drinking days and like said MF like three or four times and my mom was like oh no honey you can't you can't listen to that we got to take that back so literally like the same day hours later I had to take the CD back to the store and I just remember the dude working at CD warehouse like he just kind of had like a little smile on his face like oh look at this little dude trying to listen to heavy stuff you know but was it were you were you pissed yeah, I was, I was like, I was mad and I was kind of embarrassed too. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, my yeah, mom's yeah. got to take me back. You know what I mean? Um, Trying to listen to heavy metal and like, like live that life. And <laughs> you're making me, my mom take it, make me take it back. Life is so <laughs> heavy, man. <laughs> but yeah, that, um, that. So there's nothing, so, nothing. There's nothing less heavy than your mom taking, having to take you back to the store to return it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's not even like, yeah, she was cleaning laundry and she found it like in your sock drawer hiding under stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, we had a nice run with that. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it, you know, and, and, you know, speaking of all the heavier stuff, like as we've gotten older, I know we've, we've listened to a lot of different stuff, but, um, you were also into like Guns N' Roses, um, times we've hung out over the years, like you've played social distortion and like, I know you're really into like alkaline trio, you know, bands like, you know, muse who I'm aware of, but I've never really listened to like their whole catalog. So what, what yeah. kind of got you steering into, into that direction? Was it just sort of getting out of like that teenage angst and, and just, you know, your tastes expanding? When, when did you start to get into like more of those alternative bands? Probably, probably a little bit. <clears throat> I was always, I was always into, I was always into both melody and and heaviness like i never strayed for one more than the other like my whenever when i were to get a new i'm a new metallica album i always wanted to know what the what what the more melodic song would be is like they always had one i remember asking my cousin my i'm actually my cousin cassie not the older one that i looked up to and he got the uh master of puppets album and i remember asking him i was like all right, all right what song is on this one that's like kind of like more melodic and then he played sanitarium and i'm really like oh that's so good yeah. So I just kind of had that same that same vibe. I just started transitioning away from the heavy stuff a little bit more and more as time went on. You know, what I mean, to more like singer songwriter type stuff and just just things that I could like things that you could kind of sing sing along to. And I don't mean like poppy. I just mean like more like emotional. I guess you know more like more like making sense like from the heart. I guess not that not that heavy metal can't be that. I just stop stop speaking to me as much or got me through a phase you know i'll still listen to a lot of heavy stuff don't get me wrong but a lot of times it's like i'm not listening to the newer heavy stuff that comes out i'm just i'll go back and listen to stuff that i that used to listen to i mean i guess that's i guess that's what all people do once they reach a certain age but you know i don't necessarily know if people do that on purpose or if you just get you know you just get more involved in like real life and you just don't you don't find new music like you used to because you're you know you're working and you got you know you got family you got a wife you got you got to fix fix stuff on the house and you're not you're not really like going to shows and checking out new bands as much as you used to when you were younger or whatever you know i mean the mp3 era kind of introduced me to a ton of new music back when that was like booming you know before it all kind of changed into what it is now now i just put on google music google play music and i just listen to playlists and most of the time i'm listening to a playlist that i created you know, I'm just spinning, spinning the stuff that I know. You know, I'm on the way to work and back or whatever. If I'm not just listening to a podcast anyway, right. or, or I'm just, you know, I'm not even listening to music honestly as much as I used to. And you know, which sad, which is kind of sad because I do, I do love music still. You know, so uh, I see shows. I'm starting to see shows a little bit more than I used to. I've seen a few bands, 
year in the past two years I knocked Smashing Pumpkins off the bucket list, which was a pretty cool show. And they put on like a they put on like an experience. But like the Killers was the Killers was way up there. Like I've been a, you know as you know I've been a huge Killers fan for a while. Yeah. <clears throat> like I I really like Brandon Flowers specifically. You know I I even like his solo stuff. I just think he's an interesting dude and he really he really likes music and he he hates the state of music you know and i kind of kind of i kind of sympathize with that because i kind of do too for the most part it's just kind of a weird time it's kind of a weird time for music right now you know i still don't think they've really found found their way how the musicians can make their money you know what i mean other than other than getting big at concerts like i went and saw disturbed in three days Greece the other day and i was thinking i was like man disturbed made all their money early on like you know nobody's buying disturbed albums now i can't imagine you know but luckily they got big enough where they can put on these big shows if enough people want to go see them I mean, for crying out loud, when I was there, there was a woman that was like older than me that took her. They they brought her kids up on stage and they were wearing disturbed shirts. I'm like, wow, like, how old am I getting that? Like, there's <laughs> generations, generations of disturbed fans are there now, and like, disturbed still feels like new metal. Like, new is not new metal anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Where was the show? Now, as it was it at the Huntington Center? That was at Little Caesars in Detroit. Oh, okay, that's an awesome Caesar's arena. arena. Yeah, and Three Days Grace played too, and that was a band that I wasn't. I didn't really think much about going to see. Me and my friend Jeremy both discussed it on the way there, <clears throat> and uh, and then they actually put in Three Days Grace. Actually, put on a decent show. I was actually ended up being kind of kind of kind of impressed with them. Like some some good energy, and I didn't realize that they they have more hits than the freaking Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but every every song, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that song. I know this song. I know that song. But yeah, like so, you know, I'll go see, I'll go see, I'll go see concerts like that. Like I, like I, you know, like you mentioned, Muse. I saw Muse not too long ago, but you know, a little over a year ago. That was a pretty good show. <clears throat> but uh, as far as like learning about new music anymore, I don't know. Like I guess I don't really know how. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to the radio. I mean, I don't listen to like over the air radio waves anymore. I don't think I think most people don't. <clears throat> I just don't know how you get the music to you anymore these days. Without someone telling you word of mouth, check out this band. Like I don't know how to do it anymore. I guess I'm like if that's getting old, and I just want to know how, how to how how it happens these days. Like it's just different. I mean, YouTube videos being shared of bands that are out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely. I, it's funny because even though the music industry is way different now than it was even ten years ago, certainly than it was you know twenty thirty years ago. Like. I think I think a lot of it still is word of mouth, and and you kind of meet just just like anything else, like whatever you're into, you kind of meet your your tribe of people that are, you know, into some of the same stuff. Like there's a guy down here, one of my friends, James, that I used to work with at at my previous job before the place that I'm working now, um, and he's he's a few years older than you. I think he's 40 or 41. So yeah you know the stuff that he's into like his heavy is different than my heavy because like i'll tell him about bands that i that i really like i'm like oh dude you have to listen like he is legend you have to check out you know tremani like i love you know and he'll listen to him be like yeah it's all right you know because he he came from more of like you know um you know like mike Patton and like tomahawk and you know like the 80s stuff iron maid metallica slayer all you know anthrax so so like his heavy you know, was like that, a different era. Be generational because like I don't think like when I think of heavy like I don't even think that I don't even think that like Iron Maiden is I know it's considered like you know Motley Crue was considered heavy metal at the time you know what I mean right I like I don't consider that heavy I mean like for crying out loud like 
my wife likes Motley Crue. You know what I mean? Like that's, when I think of something heavy, like it's probably it should be something my wife doesn't like. <laughs> you know, I mean? <laughs> you know those Motley Crue concerts were probably more women than there were dudes there. Oh yeah, for sure. Like on the theater of pain stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of okay. which, I can't wait to watch that movie when it comes out on Netflix. Um, oh, I know. When's it supposed to drop? That looks really good. I've been hearing a lot of buzz about that. I think next Friday. I think it's like the twenty, awesome. the twenty second. Next Friday on Netflix. No. <laughs> next Friday. <laughs> but yeah, I so so stuff that I listen to now. Endorsement anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever Netflix wants to send that endorsement check and be a sponsor of the show, let me know. <laughs> Hit me up, Netflix. Um, I did. I did watch Triple Frontier today while I, while I was off. That new movie with Ben Affleck. Pretty good job, Netflix. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> But yeah, so like stuff stuff now, it's funny you're talking about like getting into new music. Like one of the things that I know for me, and it's not even like, and, and again, like it's funny you mentioned like Disturbed, like how that's still, it's not even like, you know, new or whatever. One of the things that got me into discovering more bands, believe it or not, which is why I am a proponent of like streaming music. If you're, if it's done in a way that's, you know, legal where artists can actually get support um, was Pandora, and actually it was our sister Kaylin who told me about that, like, gosh, that was probably 10 years ago, because I think I've had Pandora for like 10 years, and I'm like, what? You can just, you know, it's just like when the iPod came out, you're like, if you would have told somebody in 1995, oh yeah, you don't have to like put a different CD in your Walkman every time, this is going to be a device that holds like all the albums that you have currently and you can just listen to it electronically like people's heads would have exploded you know what i mean so like the idea that then the internet came around and you could like create your own tailored radio station just by having seeds of artists that you like and that's how i heard about bands like carnival and you know um different different bands that i i don't know that i would have been exposed to had I not even gotten into like Pandora, like for me that was one of the things that that That's got true. me down like, the rabbit hole. I've always liked being an early adopt, uh, early adopter of like you know new technology, new phones. Like you know, what I mean, I'm in the IT industry just because of some of this. Always like motivated me. I just find it interesting. I like the culture. Yeah. And I remember there's this there was this app that I had on Firefox a long time ago, and it was called Stumble Upon. And all you would do is just type in some of the things that you kind of like, and you would just you would click the stumble button, and it would just take you through things that people had. Up, like uploaded their websites like like things they found interesting and this was before pandora was even really pandora it was before they even really got involved with the music industry because i think they kind of watered it down pandora wasn't even as cool as it was then because back then you could like have your whole playlist based on a song and it was like it would base it on the tempo and like the type of lyrics it was about like it was really it was really cool back then and you know that was before they had commercials or anything. You know before it got all you know before it got corporate, which everything kind of does, and especially if it's going to be sustainable. Right. Uh, but yeah, I remember that that was really Pandora was really cool. They were the first one to, ones to really do that, as far as I as far as I can tell. <clears throat> but I, I use Google Play, like Google Music, uh, now. And uh, I mean, so you're right. You can find new music that way. And sometimes I do. I can put on a station. You know, they have all these ready-made stations for you, or you can just like you can add like a, a playlist of like five or six songs, and then just put, hit, you know, hit make a radio out of that playlist, and it'll just take all those songs and kind of make a you know a radio station out of it. Um, but they also have like all these ready-made stations by like decades and genres and you know, moods, 
like there's one that I, there's one that I have a lot of fun with is called '80s Confidence Mix. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's literally like all these like super like hype up songs from '80s movies, like Rocky, like the Rocky soundtrack movies, and you know stuff like that. Top Gun stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's awesome. When you, when you listen to it, and you're like, oh my god, this is awesome. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like song after song that you don't, you know, I mean, seeing the almost fire will come on. And you're like, holy crap. Take me, take me on a trip. Well, and I think that's kind of what's cool about about where things are now. I mean, it, it, I, I think what stinks for the artists is that basically now they they have to go on tour just to survive and eat. Like they they make the record, then they have to pay the record company back if they're on a even if they're even on a label. Then they have to tour and tour and tour and tour just to pay back whatever they owe for making the record, and then hope that they can either either break even or do better than breaking even. Um, and I think they're still trying to figure out the streaming stuff. But one thing that I do like about Spotify, you know, is, is it'll show, it'll show like, an, like if you're getting into a new band, it'll show their top tracks. So you can kind of look at it and based on the streams and go, oh, okay, this is what's popular. And then if you really like that band, you can go down the rabbit hole. And I think what's interesting is like the metrics and the analytics like behind Spotify. Just, you know, uh, one of my friends that I've met down here who's in music and just like, what what goes behind to like getting on playlists and even Metallica I had heard was like using using the data from the cities that they had on their tour and looking at what the most Metallica most played Metallica songs were in those cities and that's how they were like basing their set list. I don't know what kind of putting on a fan friendly concert based on what people are listening to around there. Yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting. You know what I mean? Um, so, so you know, I almost, think it's, you know, it almost tells me is that is that you know you have probably have a group of people that kind of like one song and they kind of all listen to it together and it kind of spreads out that way and it just shows those little pockets of areas where people are kind of listening to that stuff, you know. Still, so it kind of goes to show that as much as global as we are, we're still kind of centered around the people we know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> what's what's cool about music today is is I feel like there's more access probably than there ever has been. Um, but it's it's you almost still need to have that that buzz or that friend that kind of tells you about something because back in the day it would be you'd go to the record store and you start talking to somebody or you'd talk to the the guy who owned the record store or people who worked at the record store you know what what you're into and they could su- suggest stuff you know like and I think Toledo is really lucky you know rest in peace to Pat uh, the former owner of uh, Culture Clash Records. But you had culture clash, yeah. and you know, I mean, you you could go into places and you know talk to music or talk to people about music, and that's kind of how you get into stuff. And now it's like more of an individualized experience where it's like you have your phone. Most people are listening to music on their phones. I mean, I never thought we'd live in a world where headphones would cost more than a device that you could play four thousand songs on. But like nobody even talks about iPods anymore, and that was only like ten years ago. You know what I mean? Now it's like. Everybody just listens to stuff on their phone. So in, in that sense, music's become more individualized, I think, and more of a solo experience than it ever has been before. But you don't even own you don't even own your music anymore. I would say most of us. I remember I'm, I kinda saw the I kinda saw the writing on the wall. I was like, Well CDs aren't really a thing anymore. Like you know, C D players aren't it's like some cars aren't even coming with them anymore. It's almost like C D ROM devices on, on laptops these days. I sold all my CDs. All, all of them except some of the rare, some of the rare stuff I had. Some of the stuff I thought was too cool to sell. Yeah. But, but you know everything else I can I could probably get back pretty easily. 
And I didn't get very much money for it. The same thing with DVDs when everything was moving to Blu-ray, and I saw that even Blu-ray players weren't really taking off that much. And you know, you don't even you don't you just everything you want. It used to be like you said CD Warehouse earlier. You go to CD Warehouse and they had the little thing, couple headphone sets. You could go take a take a disc up there and listen to it, see see if you like it or kind of get interested in it or whatever, and then decide to purchase it. Now now you just start listening to a song, you know on your phone streaming it over your wi-fi at home or you know cell phone tower outside and uh you can the first three seconds you can just skip it because you you have no money invested in it at all you're just like oh the song i don't like it next you know know? it's the same it's like it's almost like the same thing you do with netflix like how many times do you well i'd like me just speak for myself how many times there's like um you know mount everest of streaming titles to watch and, like, I'll just go through paralysis of, like, tr- trying to figure out what to watch, and then I'll just end up being like, all right, you know what, I'm just going to watch The Office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You spend 45 yeah. minutes just, like, cycling through genres and, like, you know, yeah. watching trailers, right, and just, you're like, I don't know. Just back, yeah, I'm just going to go back and watch old episodes of Arrested Development or Friends or something, you know. <laughs> so something, where do you think the... I know I'll enjoy where do you think the balance is in it, Brandon? Like you mentioned, like you're you're into IT. You've always been into technology stuff, even since we were kids. You've always been good with computers. Like, because part of me, like I, I can tell you that, like if it's a band that I really like and a band that I really enjoy, I will still go purchase the CD because I still like to have that physical experience. I like to look at the album artwork and look at the lyrics, and that that's still something that I really enjoy. And I think the funny thing is, is that. Spotify, I believe it was a couple years ago, did do research that showed that like heavy music fans were like the most loyal and bought like the most merch because they're really into like the bands that they're into. It's not like a a commodity to them, you know. What's what's interesting about that though is like so the other day when we went and saw you know the Sturd, my friend Jeremy bought the tickets and he uh, sent me a message like two days after the concert. He goes, "Oh, by the way, you have like Disturbed's new album, digital copy, if you want it." I sent him a message back. I was like, well, it doesn't hurt to send me the link. You know what I mean? I could I could own it somehow. You know what I mean? Whatever medium that it's going to be going through. Right. But I was like, I was like, honestly, I don't need it, though. Like, I don't need the digital. I don't need the digital ownership because I I'm always going to have it as, as long as as long as, an, you know, electronic mag, like magnetic pulse bomb doesn't go off around me. Like, I'm always going to be able to access that stuff. Right. <laughs> So do you think you think streaming like the the easiness of it and just technology in general do you think that's part of the reason why like music is where it is right now is, is because it's been turned into more of a commodity than it ever has been before like you don't have to physically go to a record store to buy anything you can if you really want a physical copy of anything you can just you can do it from your phone at at your house I miss I miss the fun of going to do that I, that used to, I mean, that used to be a lot of fun to go through and like just look, shuffle through, you know, albums and stuff, and you know, getting like some, you know, they used to try to in order. But whenever it first started happening, the record companies were so stupid and reluctant and short-sighted that they were they they didn't see the tidal wave coming. <clears throat> and then you know, whoever thought that like Apple would be the biggest seller of music, you know what I mean? Right. And so you know they kind of lost out. So the record companies are just in the same boat as the artists. The record companies aren't making any money off all this stuff either. That's why they're all trying to get in cahoots with these streaming companies. That's the only way they can kind of make their money. So I don't know what's going to happen next. I think I think it's still. Sometimes I find it weird. You know, it used to be out of necessity that you would you would make an album of of you know ten, twelve, fourteen songs or whatever. 
and sell them all at once because you because you would pack a disc or a, or a record or a tape or whatever it may be. You would pack it full of, of all the music you've been working on. Nowadays, I don't see why they even still need to do that because back then, I, you could tell that there's still you know, name your favorite band. I guarantee there's always at least one, two, even three or four songs that you do not listen to on that album. If you were listening to it straight through, you're probably going to skip some some of those songs, unless you're just unless you're just let, letting it go in the background. But you know, if you're really into it, you're like, oh, this has never been my favorite song. Skip. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. Those, those songs like sometimes they're just like, all right, well, we gotta we gotta put out we gotta put out ten songs because that's that's the norm. So even back then. You know, I think that they were just still abiding by the record company's rules. You know, all right, they're asking for 12 songs. Hey, wasn't what's that thing you wrote like three years ago? Can we make something out of that and just cram it in here? <clears throat> get, get some old tapes out of stuff that we didn't want before, because now we got to fill something in. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, and I think what's interesting too is like you were in. I think that was probably the year you graduated from high school, actually, because you graduated what 2000, and that was right yep. at the height of when all of it started to change with Napster. And I think there was even like mp3.com back then, wasn't there? Oh yeah. That's where, that, that's funny that you say that because I was going to say that earlier and I just kind of, kind of got, got off track, but I used to, I used to like, you could look up a band name. Like I would, I remember typing in stained the band stained one time and it would, it would look up artists similar. And I made an, I made an entire burnt an entire CD out of like just similar sounding unknown artists. And like a lot of those songs, like I kind of know from heart that that never made it, never went anywhere. You know, ne- you never heard of them ever again. You know, but you know, people that were around me at the time kind of heard them because they'd be driving around with me and I'd be blasting them in my Dodge Neon. Nobody <laughs> else ever. They were never on the radio. You know, nobody ever heard of those bands like you know bands like Sick Boy. You know, I mean, what's funny is even a band like Lincoln Park. I remember my cousin got into them before they were popular, and they and they, they opened up for some band that he saw at the main event, which is not even around anymore either. And he was like singing all their songs in the front row, singing all their songs. And I remember he met Linkin Park after the show, and they were like, "How do you know all our music?" And he's like, "Yeah, hey, man, the internet's an amazing thing." And that was in the year like '99 or 2000 or something like that. That was before they blew up, you know. But that was all internet based. That's crazy, because yeah, if that was like '99, 2000, I don't think Hybrid Theory came out until like 2002 or 2001. I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade. It was like a year, couple years after that. Yeah, I think it had to. Wasn't it? Two, it had to be two thousand. I'm, I'm almost positive it was two thousand. It was like it was like the fall of two thousand, maybe. Hybrid theory. I think so. I think so. I'm just. You know, it's hard for me to remember because because he had burnt me a disc, and I remember listening to that listening to them for a long time before they before they got popular. So I'm not sure if like how long I was listening to him before that album even came out. Because he was always good at that. Because he would be in these like you know. IRC chat rooms and he would like always hear about new music and he was always getting stuff so I kind of always I always thought that he was kind of a good a good link like there were some bands back then that like that kind of got big and there's some that never did and there's some that like got real huge like I remember Disturbed was one was another one of those bands that he kind of like had played for me before they got popular and you you couldn't even go to their website because they didn't even own the rights to to their own name of <laughs> dot, dot com it was Disturbed One dot com is what all they owned back then. <laughs> Well, you, sir, are correct. It came out October 24th, 2000, so the fall of 2000, your winner, winner, chicken dinner. I just looked it <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> you kind of know where you're at sometimes when, you're, when, you, when you go through those, those phases, you know what I mean? Like I just remember, like I just remember, like the time frame of riding around my car, it was this summer, it was like, it was like after the summer that I graduated, and you know, you just, some, some memories just kind of stick out, you know what I mean? 
That album was a pretty big game changer, too. I mean, I think that was right, you could say, sort of at the height of new Metal, Korn, Limp Bizkit, um, Deftones. I mean, they were all doing, like, the Family Values Tour, System of a Down. Yeah. You know? Linkin Park kind of transcended, too. They had transcended into the into the mainstream, you know, where you had, like, jocks were, like, not just jocks, but you could say, like, jocks and people that don't really listen to pop were, like, you know, they were like rapping along to in the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That song, that song was was. I think. I, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are today. I'd have to look it up. I, I would definitely think that's in their top five. Um, I'm one of those weirdos that was always into like the other like. And I don't know. I've always. I mean, you know me. I've always kind of been like that. Like I don't go against the grain to go against the grain. But if everybody's doing it, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know. <laughs> but um. Oh but, right. Like, I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said that because I remember me and my cousin talking about that, Cassidy, and uh, we talked about how it didn't feel like it was ours anymore. Like we used to rap that song and like you know, like that whole part where Chester starts screaming after the second verse. You know what I mean? Like we used to think that song was awesome, but then when it got like once it once it once it went once it went nuclear. Like, it was, like, it felt like it wasn't our thing anymore. Like, it wasn't our vibe anymore. Like, you know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember... I know, I, like, you know, people always want to talk about stuff that, oh, I knew them before they were big. And I, you know, I, I, I even though I hate when other people say that, like, I understand the sentiment of wanting to say that. I always try to refrain from doing that, but I know why people want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, don't get me wrong, I love that song in the end, like, I actually have, I still have a mixtape CD that my buddy Mike Walker made for me, because he was doing all the stuff that you were doing with, like, mp3.com and everything, I was like, I was like, what? And I was probably in, like, eighth grade, I was like, you can just, like, I can give you a list of songs, and he's like, yeah, dude, I'll make you, like, a mixtape, I was like, please, that's awesome, you know, and growing up being, like, the guilty Catholic boy that I was, I was like, oh, but that's kind of, like, stealing, you know, <laughs> but, like, I had that song on that CD, but the one, the one off of that CD that's still, and it might have been the first, one of the first songs that I heard off of that CD, I don't think it was in the end, it was, it was either Paper Cut or One Step Closer, um, and, it was and, probably paper One Step Closer became a mainstream song, too, but that was still a good song, and it still holds up, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, um, and looking at the track list and now, just as we're talking about it, like I I pulled it up on my phone. Paper cuts the first song on that on that album, um, and then like points of authority, crawling like that whole that whole record was was really really a, a game changer for sure. Well, yeah, it was like you know earlier. I guess I guess this could tra- this could kind of like tie into what I said earlier a little bit, even though I don't know if it was intentional or not. But when I was saying like I was kind of segue segueing into from like heavy and like a little more melody you know you know chester chester would like he could scream and belt it out and they would have some really heavy riffs and then there'd be times where he would just like kind of sing and he had an awesome voice you know what i mean he had a really good voice like he would have some heavy songs and then all of a sudden he would break it down and he would just like sing about something real you know and i remember i just remember like that was just that was kind of cool you're right. I think that first song was, it just started off, it just kicked in. It was like, you know, as soon as you heard it, you're like, this is something different, you know, and then it was like one of those bands that had a DJ too, you know what I mean? But it just started off, it just started off as like, do, 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 well, and, and touching back on that, like that, I think that was an interesting point you made about when something doesn't feel like yours anymore. I mean, like, 
because because I'm I'm a little bit different now in that like I I want to like Alter Bridge is one of my favorite bands. Probably them and Metallica are are like neck and neck. I, I love those two bands. Um, I'm I'm definitely at a place now where where I like part of me is when bands get big I'm like that's awesome I'm glad they're big like I want people to know about them um what do you think it was when you mentioned like when it didn't feel like yours anymore what do you think it was about that time because if you look at music now I think it's kind of reverted back to like at least from a heavy music perspective it's kind of reverted back to where it's it's very much the redheaded stepchild of all the genres you know which is kind of the way it was in the 80s you know with thrash metal and hair metal and all the different versions of it in the 80s that was kind of the redheaded stepchild to pop in the mainstream you know the michael jacksons and princes and all that madonna and i feel like it's kind of like that now but there was that period about 20 years ago where you could make the argument based on like record sales based on popularity what was getting played on mtv a corn at one point was the biggest band on the planet like what do you think it was about that music, Corn and Linkin Park, Limp Bizkit, Deftones, like, what do you think it was that propelled Incubus, them into the mainstream, if you had to put your finger on it, where it became a thing that became popular and you would hear those songs on, like, Top 40 radio? I just, I feel like it was just their time, like, everything has a window, just like a football team has a small window to win a Super Bowl, like, that was just their window, you know what I mean, there, you had all the, you had all the party music of the 80s, you had the you had the explosion of grunge, and you know all throughout that pop has always been pop has always been huge because it appeals to it just appeals to the masses overall. Right. But like that was that was I think that was just their window. Like that was just their crescendo of of that of that little you know glimpse in time of, of like that type of music. But the only thing you can say about pop, I guess, is that it's, it's like the flavor of the month of whoever's popular then, because anything that's older just becomes like a one hit wonder or dates itself very heavily where you know i could still say that like if i was on a deserted island i'd want to take metallica with me because all their music still holds up in my opinion like i could i could listen to their whole their entire catalog is enough would be enough for me if i could only choose one band to ever listen to again i'd be all right with that yeah the way that it, things are now where like it's not going to get the it's not going to get the airplay that you're going to get you know from the rest of the you know the music industry it's just it's just different you know when you're streaming your music you know, if people are just listening to like what most people listen to contemporarily or whatever, like just like when I'm working at the hospital, if if you're listening to something that's kind of like friendly to everyone, you're never going to you might hear, you know, Bruno Mars. You might even freaking hear something from Nelly, but you're probably not going to hear, you know, a lot of the new rock or older rock or the rock that we're referring to most of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, and it's always going to be like that, but it's just. I don't know. I think I think it's an interesting time. I think it's an interesting time for music. Like I think, and I and I don't and I don't mean that in like a negative way either. I mean I do feel bad for the artists because there's, you know, there there's not the same kind of money going around like there used to be. Like I think the year two thousand or two thousand one actually was. I remember um, Doc Coyle, who's in a in a rock band that's and I'm not name dropping for anybody listening to this, but plug for them he's in he's in a, a band called bad wolves who did what i thought was an awesome cover of zombie that blew up but if you like heavy music actually listen to that whole record because the rest of the record doesn't doesn't really sound like that but anyway i digress but i remember him being on here and, and us talking about the music industry and him being in a metal band and kind of how things changed and 
the year 2001, I think, was one of the biggest record sales years ever. Like, I, I think uh, chocolate starfish, hot dog flavored water from Limp Biscuit. I, I think it went platinum in like a week. They sold like 500,000 copies like the first week it came out, you know, um, and that just doesn't happen anymore. So it's I feel for the artists, but I, I do think what's cool about nowadays, like we talked about, is there are so many different avenues where you can listen to music it's just a lot harder to find because of that. You know what I mean? It's a lot. I think it's harder to find your favorite band now, but they're out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, it is. It is weird. It is weird. Like you know, what, what, like, if, if I have a bunch of friends over, you know, for those of you listening, I have like several TVs in my garage for for like football Sundays. We'll get the NFL ticket. They have a bunch of guys here. And it almost always turns into late night after everybody's been drinking all day into like us taking turns playing YouTube videos of our favorite songs. And they're always songs that we already know. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like, hey, check out this new band. It's like, oh, let me play the next song. And it'll be like, be like some, you know, except for my friend Jeremy, he might play some Steel Panther or something. But yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but typically, typically it'd be like, oh man, this song has the best solo ever. And it'll be something from 1988 Slayer, you know, like the drum solo in this is better than any drum solo you've ever heard. You you can't deny it. You know it's just like you know the arguments, the jokes, and just like just like playing Dire Straits, even sometimes like oh you got to hear the solo when he when he plays it live and how he just goes off track and just starts just starts jamming. Yeah, I think there's something about getting older where like your role of de- like I remember talking to my stepdad Jack about that like talking about I'm like oh have you checked out this band or you check I'm like. Because he's really into blues. I'm like, oh, man, you got to hear, like, Joe Bonamassa. You got to hear Gary Clark Jr. Like, you you have to, you know, Derek Trucks. Like, and, and, and Derek Trucks has been around for a while. I mean, he's not new. Same with Joe Bonamassa. Gary Clark Jr. is relatively new. but And he and he just kind of said to me, he's like, yeah, you know, he goes, I'm just at that point where, like, I kind of like what I like, and I'm not really trying to check out new stuff. I, I think there is something about getting older where it's like, yeah, my Rolodex is kind of filled up kind of just like sticking to what i know and i don't know maybe that's human nature in general maybe that's just how we are we, we, we like familiarity like the the unknown is always like it's always like dipping your toes in the water the first time you know what i mean i'd like to think it's human nature because i like to try to be you know conscious and, and progressive in, in my thinking and uh you know so when i think about that part of me part of me is like i don't want to use the word apathetic because that's not the right word part of me doesn't care as much as i used to back then yeah. Part of me is okay. Like I'm totally okay and content with where my life is of listening to the music that I already like and know. And I don't know if that's you know. When I was younger, I used to kind of make fun of that, and now that I'm here in it, feeling it, living it, I almost wonder if that's just if that's just kind of where you get. And you know, it's not giving up. It's not selling out. It's not any of those things that I used to think it was. It's just like it's almost just like, hey, I'm cool. I'm good. I kind of like my stuff. I mean, my brain is can only hold so much music, and I, I pumped it full of thirty-seven years of songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm all right. You know, I don't. I don't, what I don't want to do is ever become the guy that like doesn't like something that comes out new just because it's new or different. Right. Like, I hope I never. I hope I never lose that. You know, most of the people I know that have like families and kids these days, or jobs, or are busy. You know, they, I don't know. I don't know that they have times time to go check out new bands or they're sitting there on their laptops they're doing probably doing work or homework or whatever they're doing they're probably not looking up new music you know what i mean yeah yeah and i think you know and i think it's like anything it's like if you really if you really love something you're always going to try to explore like every avenue of it 
you know, um, and if, yeah. if, if something is just if kind of a, a, if you're a musician, like now there's now that's now that's different. If you're an actual musician, you're probably you probably all you're probably immersed in that. Or even if you or even if music's a hobby, where like say you say you play up at Nick and Jimmy's, you know, one of the local bars that has like a like live band here and there. You know, if you you and the guys get you know get together a couple times a month to practice. You might be looking up new music here and there, and just figure out what's what's still clever out there. That you know that you know to try to stay up to date, or, or you're just doing it for fun. But if you're just playing drums, you know a drum set in your in your garage, like I do every here and there, I'm going to put on some old Metallica and I'm going to rock the hell out, and then I'm going to you know go do my homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, before we wrap it up, man, and, and thanks again uh, for for taking time. It's always good to talk to you. I love you, and I, and I miss you. I mean, I'm I'm living in Nashville now, and and when you're in Ohio, but um, we've we've stayed close, and um, not to get too into our like, you know, personal stuff. But I mean, I think we've we've been closer now over these last seven eight years than we probably were our whole lives to that point. You know, um, very true. And we've always had this bond. I think especially with with music and. You know, just you being my older brother, like you were the one that that I that I you know looked up to when it came to that kind of stuff. Because um, Greg's into music too, and we would listen to music together. And I remember him being really big into like Pink Floyd, and you know. But um, I think it was because like I didn't see you as much growing up. That when you came over and you were so much older than me, like we were talking about earlier, like when you're a kid somebody who's like six years older they they might as well be like a 40 year old man you know what i mean um well cool 40 year old man i'm not even 40 yet (laughs) (laughs) but uh so so it's cool to catch up man and 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 i like i like jumping around and and talking about the the different eras and stuff the way that we have but before i let you go i i did want to ask you about like so you mentioned like desert island like if you were stranded like if, if you were stranded on a desert island, what what and you could and you only had like three albums and and you were going to be stranded for a year, like what three albums would you want to have? Three albums. Well, there's a couple ways you could go with this. Like I could just try to go for like the like you just mentioned Pink Floyd. I could just go try to take like the longest album possible, just so I had like less time of being repetitive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would. You know, of course, I'm going to say something for Metallica. It's just which one would be the question. You know, I, w- I would say I would probably take Load, which may surprise you, <clears throat> just because I think it's more diverse. You know, it's got it's got some really long songs, and it's got it's a, it is a long album, and uh, it's just it's it's just it's still dope. Um, yeah, Bleeding Me is probably actually my favorite I Metallica say, song. I was just going to say that. Like, nice, like, it's so funny because I remember that one time you were in town you played Bleeding Me. I'm like, man, I haven't just heard the song forever. And I, you kind of got me back on it again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. That's why I hate it when people when people diss Metallica for Load and Reload. Like, oh, they sold out. They cut their hair. They were just trying to appeal to more people. And I'm like, go back and listen to those records. There's some really good work on there. And, and Bleeding Me is one of those songs. Yeah, you can't care about you can't care about that stuff anymore. I guess uh, that the uh, Killers Samstown is good. I think that album's pretty good start to finish. I just think it. I think it just kind of mixes. It's almost like like the fir- their first album mixed with, almost mixed with like Bruce Springsteen a little bit. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, people probably think that that what I'm saying is a joke, <laughs> but that's okay. I really like their second album a lot. <clears throat> but uh, man, 
it's really hard to think about this because it's you know it's it's such an arbitrary number and it's such a such a crazy hypothetical. It is. If you, you know, it is. <laughs> if, you really, if you really pictured yourself sitting there and you're like, oh man, why did I pick this album? You know, you might think that after like two weeks. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got fifty you know? weeks to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Fifty weeks to go. Yeah, can I can I pick a comedy album? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's, that third one's gonna be hard. Those first two are those first two are pretty sure. The third one might be a little more difficult. You know, I gotta think about what I'm listening to now, and most of it's like mixed, mixed, mixed things, a bunch of mixed up stuff. Uh, it, I don't know if it would be heavy or not. Maybe. Yee. The Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Done. <laughs> right on. Not the one not the one with all the characters theme songs. The one that was made for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not, listening to just like eight bit video game plays, tracks. Yeah. <laughs> not the one that they not the one where they always play like the version that they play at like hockey games. <laughs> not that one. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Yeah, that one's on there. Only it's done. Only it's done by like a little bit of better of a techno band or group or guy. <laughs> I think that's on Netflix now, isn't it, or is it not anymore? Oh, it's on there. I watched it not that long ago. Uh, you know, I don't know if it holds up as much if you're looking for good acting. But I remember watching that movie in the theaters and just being like, just cheering out loud and stuff, like just thinking that that movie's so cool when it came out. Like I never, I, that was one of the, you know, people talk about because it was before my time when they first saw Rocky and people were cheering in theater, cheering and shouting for Rocky to win. Like I don't know the next closest thing that may ever come to that in my lifetime so far is when I watched the Mortal Kombat movie, and that may sound so cheesy, but it was I've never seen a movie where so many people were cheering. I think it was just because there were so many fans of the of the game and the genre that people were like when Luke King busted out his bicycle kick, like the whole the whole audience was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But yeah, that was a, you know, when we were talking about, real quick, I just want to wrap this up real quick because I don't want to keep you, but, you know, a couple of my first albums were all like soundtracks. I don't know why. It just turned out that way. I had the Batman Forever soundtrack, and that was that was a little bit before I was transitioning, but because I, I liked Seal. <laughs> and I even liked that U2 song that was like, like, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. I remember liking that song when I was younger. And then, uh, but I kind of fell in love with that Offspring song that was on there. It was at the end, like "Smash It Up, Smash It Up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that song kind of made me kind of like Offspring, and then that kind of transitioned me into Offspring. And then I, you know, of course, obviously the Metallica thing came a little bit after that too. But I had the I had the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, and like one of the tracks on there is by a band called Mother's Day Out. And I went, and I went and found their album at CD Warehouse, and I guarantee you probably it'd be hard to find that even online today. I, I, I still have that downloaded and uploaded into the cloud so that I would never lose it. And that's one of those ones where, like, I've been listening to that crap since 1994, and I'll still turn it on from time to time, and nobody in their life would know what the hell I was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty into music, and I've never heard of that band ever. Yeah, yeah, and if I played it for you, you might. I don't know if you'd like it or not, but I actually, I'll send you. I'll send you a link or something to re reference you to it. You might, if you ever heard the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, you might know this. And you say it's in the movie where like Sonya is like going after Kano, and she's like in the club. That's the band that's playing when they're in the club, and she's got the flashlight on her gun. Where's Kano? Like that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! That is so awesome. Yeah, I, me and my friend Andre. 
uh, him and I like <laughs> used to love that band. Like we would listen to that band all the time. He had a mini disc player, and he he converted it to mini disc, and we would listen to it on the way to Cincinnati. <laughs> mini discs. Oh my gosh, that was something that came and went. And I remember, I remember that getting pumped up on like TRL and MTV, like mini discs, and it was gone in like a minute. Well, it's too bad because they were actually were ahead of their time. They were better. They were better than CDs. And it was like there was a long stretch before from CDs when mini discs came out. CDs were still there, and before the uh, you know before the iPod, because MP3s were out. But you were still burning, ripping MP3s to to blank discs and playing them in your car. And he could just he had he had a mini disc player, and he would just you could like shuffle them things around real fast. You could just change what he wanted on there. You could you could rewrite to them pretty quickly. That's awesome. One of the last things I want to ask you: best. So okay, I asked you your your albums on an island. What what are your top five albums, and what are the the best the like? Let's just say three best shows that you've been to live before we wrap it up. All right, well I can I can tell you one of the one of the best shows I've ever been to live was actually was actually uh one of them was pretty recent, and I'm gonna two of them are gonna be Metallica, but both of them are not gonna necessarily be the same. And I'll explain. When I saw Metallica in Seattle, when I went to visit. You know, my mom and my stepdad in Seattle, he had bought me tickets to lure me out there. He bought me tickets to see Metallica at uh, CenturyLink, you know, you know, CenturyLink Stadium was just, was when the Seahawks play, and that place was just packed. It was almost like it was almost like the Metallica army had descended on Seattle because no matter where we went in that city, there was Metallica shirts walking around. And it was just, that was so cool to see because, like, if you know Seattle, it's normally not like that. <laughs> if you if wherever you heard about Seattle, you're right. It's normally not like that. Because when I flew into Seattle, it was a different scene than when we went there for the concert. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? When you have thousands and thousands of Metallica fans all there. So, and, and not only that, Avenged Sevenfold fans. <clears throat> uh, that, that show blew my mind. That show was awesome. It was like they hadn't even lost a step. That was in 2017, I think. So, yeah, it wasn't last summer. It was the summer before. Yeah, 2017. That was a great, great show. Um, seeing the Killers would probably be number two. And that was, now I don't know if that was necessarily because they put on such a good show. It was probably just my own personal excitement, you know, just to see them finally. Because I've been, you know, I've liked them since 2005. Yeah. And I just finally, I just finally saw them like a year ago. And number one was two, year 2000 where like me and three other guys drove all the way down from Toledo, Ohio, all the way down to, the, you know, uh, Kentucky Speedway. And uh, it was a Metallica concert, but that was a, I mean, the, the, that was like a festival concert. That place was huge, packed. I've never been to anything that big since. It was Power Man 5000, Kid Rock, System of a Down. I mean, I, I can't even remember all the bands around there, but like, it was like every band that you could think of that was like huge at the time. And then, of course, Metallica. And one of the best parts about that concert was that Metallica had hurt himself in a jet skiing accident or something. So he was bringing everybody up on stage to sing parts of his songs with them or play guitar with them uh, for the band was you know and now it looked like these are all these bands that had idolized them they already knew the songs it wasn't even like they had to like go and practice because this was kind of a freak accident so the, so that they didn't even have to halt the tour because like the guitarist for system of down would come up you know jonathan davis was coming up and helping them sing one and uh you know there's i still have a mp3 from the time i remember finding it right after that and downloading it just so i go like you had, like just to keep that now like i just thought that was so cool just to see that mix of all my favorite bands playing with my ultimate favorite band that was that's the coolest show i've ever been to like that's something that that's a once in a lifetime thing that you can't even i don't even know how you replicate <clears throat> um but so you said favorite albums of all time yeah if you um, had if you had to pick if you had to pick five 
Because I think about this too, because mine has changed over the last probably five years. It's changed a little bit. Um, Mine's changed a lot of times, I think, a lot of times. Um, I'll probably go with the same Desert Island, Desert Island ones I just told you about. I, yeah. think Lode, I think Lode was underrated. I would definitely take, I would probably take more than one Metallica album, honestly. I would take Master of Puppets. <clears throat> I think Master of Puppets has just got the, just the thrashiest, coolest, some of the best, heaviest, like, great, gritty lyrics, like, just love that album start to finish like i don't i don't have to skip a single track on that whole album when i listen to it yeah i think if you were to put that album in a time capsule for like what what was what did thrash metal sound like that would be one of the records you would put in there for sure yeah um uh countdown to extinction isn't that the name of the album from megadeth that one it's got like a Psychotron and all those all those other songs on it. That one, that that Megadeth album is, is pretty dope. I would probably I would probably put that up there pretty high because I remember thinking that before I knew the the history of Metallica and Megadeth, I remember just like hearing Mega, hearing those songs by Megadeth back then and just thinking every seeing a few of those songs were so awesome. And like you know even the, even just the word Megadeth and that creepy old guy skeleton looked like he's almost melting like the guy from the end of Indiana Jones the Last Crusade when he picks the wrong Holy Grail like look like that dude on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like. That like that album. That album was pretty dope. They had some of the um, best artwork, by the way. Megadeth, their albums, some of the best artwork, like Rust in Peace. Amazing. Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, gosh, man, this is you're, it's hard to think about these things, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I know that's I, why I, I like these like, questions. <laughs> yeah, that's why I overanalyze this stuff because you know I figured you're gonna ask me something like that, so I was trying to think about it, and I was having a hard time even even putting pen to paper to think about it. You know what I mean? Like it's just it just goes so back and forth a lot. Um, Bruce Springsteen, The River is a double. That one's a double album, so I would that'd be all right. <laughs> like I could listen to a lot of a lot of the Boss. <clears throat> I like the Boss quite a bit. Um, so that puts me at four. His music is timeless um, too. By the way, it'll still be cool a thousand years from now. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really do like Bruce Springsteen. I always kind of, kind of, I always kind of had a little spot for him. Uh, one more. Already got the second album of the Killers on there. The Offspring Smash album. I, you know, I, I keep coming back to that in my mind, so I might as well just go with it. Even when I was thinking about this question earlier, when I was thinking about like favorite, you know, favorite albums of all time, that album keeps popping in my head. That's another one that's like start to finish. It's like it's, I just think it just it just comes in it just comes in hot and it just stays that way through the whole thing and it's you know it kind of put it kind of put like that punk rock you know mainstream like mix on the table for the first time you know like them and Green Day kind of did it at the same time yeah but, uh, I just like I thought Offspring just I just liked the way Offspring did it you know yeah, I remember watching like some of their some of their videos of like from that era where they're like doing backflips into the crowd and you know like they just that was just that was like it was still punk but it somehow crossed over and like it just kind of just kind of grabbed me i think that album's pretty dope <clears throat> yeah. still to this day i can the album all the way through yeah and i think that's what's cool about music too you always there there's albums you can listen to and i think that's what's cool about music it's like not to get too like trippy, but it, it is almost like another sense because just like uh, certain smells, you'll you'll be like for whatever reason like olfactory is attached to like memory, and like you can put in an album yeah. and it'll take you like right back to that time. That's what's crazy about music or a song. Like it'll you can remember exactly how you're feeling, just like you were talking about the Mortal Kombat. Like you you will always have that memory attached to that band, you know. 
Yeah, like when I brought up the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, it wasn't so much about like how good the music on that album was, even though there's a couple songs that I really liked. Like Dearest KMFDM was on that on that album, and I remember getting into KMFDM because of that album. You know, there's a couple KMFDM albums that I own just because I heard it on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. You know, it's just because that of what that time frame meant to me, like that feeling I got listening to that some of the other songs on there, and just the yearning for you know, for new music and just kind of like finding stuff that was just even close to similar. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Well, dude, it's been awesome catching up with you, man. Like I, I've always wanted to like do one of these with you and talk about music, and I've been wanting to to get back into doing the pod for for a long time and just with as much as i really love music i was like man you know brandon was like one of the first people that really kind of i started to get into heavier stuff and then you know i at first i was getting into it because it was like that's what you were listening to and then as i got older i just kind of found that that was the music even to this day like i've gotten more into more into hip-hop and like old school rap and i've always been into other alternative stuff and like explosions in the sky like you know instrumental music all that stuff but to this day heavy music is still the stuff that i get the most geeked out about that i still really enjoy and uh and and that all was was because of you when i was a kid so it's it's feel you on that i appreciate that it's, hard. It's, it's a little weird to be on the receiving end of that when someone tells you something like that but i can i can just like i can just say like, i appreciate that because i know what it's like to, to you know to feel that way about someone else you know even though I would never tell my older cousin that he was that ever that cool to me, because now, because now I, because now, now I just I've surpassed him in coolness. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, Justin. If you're ever listening to this, <laughs> well, I love you. I love you, man. It's just great to catch up with you. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me, dude. I'm I'm excited to get it out, and it's been been fun taking a trip down memory lane. I can't wait to next time I see you. For sure, though. Thanks, man, for having me on. I hope I was interesting enough for everybody listening, including yourself, to talk to me. Of course, man. Of course. I love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Love you. Love you all. Bye. Bye. All righty, Dougie. There you have it. That was my conversation with my brother, Brandon Bauman. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as as much as we enjoyed catching up with each other. Um, I love that dude a lot, man. Um, been through a lot. <clears throat> excuse me in our lives, you know. Just to give a little bit more backstory, we touched on it a little bit, but as you guys heard in the show, you know, Brandon and I have the same dad, but we have different moms. So you know, growing up, he lived with his mom, and I lived with my parents. You know, my my mom and uh, our dad. And so he would come over like, you know, every other weekend. Um, so again, when you're a kid and, you know, you have a brother who's six years older and he'd bring over Super Nintendo and games, video games and stuff. Because we were always like a system behind growing up. Like we had Nintendo and other people had Super Nintendo. And then we had PlayStation, you know, when like, you know, we had PlayStation like for a few years right when, you know, GameCube and all that stuff was coming out. And then I think we got Xbox like a year after it came out, something like that. My brother and I went halvesies on it. Um, but anyway, you know, so he would bring over like his video games and stuff like that. And, you know, and growing up, it, it you know, it was it was turbulent at times, you know. And, and to make a long story short, uh, Brandon and I had kind of lost touch uh, for, for several years where, you know, I didn't really talk to him that much, um, didn't really hear from him that much. You know, he once he kind of got his license when he was 16 and he turned 16 in 98, um, you know, he had his freedom. And at that point, 
I think, you know, you're a teenager and he had his friends where he lived and, you know, you're not like super motivated to come around and, you know, be around, you know, your younger siblings, you know, and I guess if you really want to get technical, you're your younger half siblings, you know, even though I don't refer to him as my half brother, he's my brother. But you know what I mean? Like he was at a stage in his life where he was a teenager. He had his freedom. He had the car. He had his friends and his life. And so, you know, it makes you a little sad when you're a kid. But then my parents ended up getting divorced um, in 99. So like a year later. And so obviously it was kind of weird. And then I remember seeing him, I think when I was in like sixth grade, I remember him swinging by and he was like, yeah, you know, I hadn't been around for a little bit. Now I come back and you guys are divorced. Like I remember him having that conversation with my mom. And uh, so it was just kind of weird. And he's, he just did his own thing and, and for, for a number of years and, you know, and growing up and he touched on a little bit about being angry growing up. I mean, so that happened. Um, and there were times when we were younger growing up where he wasn't like the nicest I say, I would say. And again, this isn't me speaking disparagingly of my brother. This is all things that we've talked about. But um, so fast forward to I'm in college now. I'm in my early 20s. Um, my brother and my sister-in-law who have been together, gosh, since they were 18 and they're both like she just turned 32. He's going to be 32. They got married uh, when I was 23 years old, and that was a turbulent week because my grandpa passed away on September 1st. They got married on September 11th, which was a Friday night they got married. We buried him that Tuesday. Uh, I drove down, you know, we all drove down to Cincy for the wedding. They got married Friday, and then I think I was covering a game. Toledo played Ohio State when I was doing work for Toledo Free Press at the time and got up early the next morning to go cover the Rockets playing the Buckeyes at the Shoe in Columbus. So it was kind of a turbulent time. And Brandon and I had, had you know, been back in touch at that point. We both worked at Toledo Hospital, and, you know, so we would run into each other there. But I remember just – it was just a crazy emotional week, man. And, um, and I hope he's cool with me sharing this on the podcast. I'm sure he's cool with it. But it was just a crazy emotional week, obviously. You know, Grandpa passing away – one of my favorite people on the planet. I was really close to him and, and everybody who knew him was close to him. He he just had a big heart. He was that kind of guy. You know, lately I've been seeing some videos about John Candy because ironically, quick, quick diversion here, or, uh, you know, digress like I tend to do, but he passed away on my birthday in 1994, John Candy. And that was like one of my childhood heroes too. He was just so funny. And, and it was all the interviews and stuff that you watch about him. He was just, he had the biggest heart and was such a sweet guy and was really nice to people, which is always cool to hear, you know, that people that you enjoy their movies or their music or whatever. And then you find out that they're like really awesome human beings too. That's always like really warming, but there's been a lot of stuff that's come up recently about him because it's been 25 years since he passed. It was 1994. So anyway, um, quick diversion there. So, but my grandpa was like that, you know, he, he was very well loved and, and, um, you know, and again, not a perfect person was an alcoholic, quit cold Turkey in his forties, quit smoking, quit drinking, started running a lot, started running with my grandma a lot, got in great shape and turned it around the the second half of his life. He and my grandma moved back up to snowy Ohio with the, the winners that we have, you know, Northwest Ohio from Florida where they had retired to because they wanted to see their grandkids grow up, you know, that just tells you a lot about them. But anyway, so it was an emotional week, you know, to bury one of my favorite people in the world and then have the flip side of that coin to to have my 
you know, my brother married the love of his life, uh, Kim, you know, it was just, it was just a crazy week, man. Um, and I remember that night heading back up to my room and I had run into Brandon and my dad and, you know, and it was late. I mean, we're talking probably like one o'clock in the morning, you know, and I remember heading back up to my room to go to bed because I had to get up at like six to make the, you know, two plus hour drive or whatever it is from Cincinnati to Columbus to, to cover the Buckeye Toledo game, which started at noon for the paper. And, you know, Brandon and I were kind of talking and, um, and, uh, he's like, Hey, can you, can I actually, can I walk with you or get on the elevator with you? Cause I think our rooms are on different floors or something. And I just kind of said something like, Oh, you're not going to get emotional on me, are you? And then his eyes kind of changed and he kind of gave me that look and I, and I was kind of joking around, you know, and I could tell that he was serious, you know, and I was like, Oh man. So anyway, um, you know, we started talking and we ended up talking for a couple hours and, you know, and he really poured everything out to me. He's just like, you know, I know I wasn't, uh, the greatest to you guys growing up. In fact, I was downright just awful on, on several occasions and there's things that I've done. I can't take back. and I feel awful about, but I just, you know, I had my mom and my stepdad and then, you know, my siblings that they ended up having together had those guys, you know, and then. I had dad and your mom, Mindy, but they had you guys together. So I kind of always felt like, you know, I was almost like halfway, you know, like my other siblings had the same set of parents. You guys had the same set of parents. And I kind of felt like I did, I'd never really had that, you know, so I, I was angry a lot and I wasn't the greatest to them either growing up, you know, and I still feel bad about that with those guys too. But, you know, um, but I, you know, I love you and, you know, just, you know, the times we run into each other at the hospital, like, and just looking at you, you know, we look similar and, and we talk about music and, you know, my friends and stuff, like, you know, talk about you like, oh, you know, Mike, you know, yeah, he's cool. And we run into him at the hospital. So he's like, and I just realized, man, like, you know, we, we've got the same blood running through us and we're interested in the same things. And I'm really sorry about what happened. And I, you know, I want to reconnect, you know, it kind of went like that. So like I said, after all the heavy stuff that had already kind of went down with my grandpa passing away, um, and then, you know, the like I said, the flip side of that, the low and then the high of the wedding, and, and you know, my brother marrying the love of his life, and they've got, you know, two beautiful kids now. My, my niece Aubrey's birthday is this month, too. Um, man, I don't want to get emotional, but uh, it, it's, to have my brother, my oldest brother then, you know, you know, kind of pour it out to me like that and, and want to reconnect. It was just a really powerful thing, you know, and ever since that time, that was 2011. Um, you know, our relationship over the last eight years has probably been the best that it's ever been, you know, and I, and I hope, I hope one day it can get like that with all of us as siblings, you know, um, but, um, I'm really thankful for that. You know what I mean? Because he was somebody, as you guys heard in the show, that I looked up to when I was a kid. Um, when he came over, I was always excited to see him. And, you know, I wanted to listen to Metallica and Korn and stuff because that's what he was into. And then as I got older, I kind of found that that was a music that spoke to me a lot and, and, you know, helped me get through some tough times too. Just, you know, I think we all have those awkward teenage years, you know, where you don't feel like you fit in or you feel like how people see you isn't how you really are, how you really want to be seen and whatnot. So, 
you know, heavy music was something that I started to get into because of him, but I, I ended up finding that it spoke to me a lot. And it's, and it's, I've always looked at it as a healthy outlet for negative energy. You know what I mean? Just like exercise. It's a healthy way to deal with maybe you had a tough day at work or there's, you know, you're having a tough time and in a relationship, whatever that relationship is, or somebody not treating you well, it's good to have those positive outlets. Um, but yeah, I love Brandon. He knows that. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, you know, we've reconnected and I was able to get him on the show and, you know, that our relationship as we've gotten older, you know, sometimes it works a lot. A lot of times it works the other way where you're close to somebody when you're young and then things kind of fall out as you get older. And for us, it's been the opposite. And like I said, I hope one day it can, it can be like that with all of our siblings for all of us, you know, because whether it's him or Greg or Caitlin or even Jared and Jason, my stepbrothers who I don't see or talk to that much. Like I love everybody equally the same, man. And I'm just so thankful to have the family and the love and like the support that I have. And and there's times in my life where I've gotten in my own way uh, and still do from time to time. And it's just stuff like this. That's kind of a reminder of like, what's really important, you know? And, um, you know, sometimes we can make life complicated, complicated, make it more complicated than it needs to be. And you really just go back to those things at the end of the day, you know, when you put your head to the pillow, it's like, you know, you've got whatever you believe in and whoever you love, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. That's all it really matters, you know? So, um, so yeah, I kind of wanted to close the episode on that. Hopefully it's like not too heavy for people, but you know, again, going back to what I talked about at the beginning of the show, just the theme of March 4th, you know, hopefully that little backstory about, um, about our relationship as brothers, you know, if you've got somebody out there that you haven't connected with in a while, you know, or there's some, some wires that got crossed along the way, um, it's never too late, you know, and I, and I, I guess that's kind of one of the messages I wanted to, to, to have be taken from this podcast. Not that, you know, I'm trying to tell people how they should feel or how they should think, but that was one thing that I thought was important to share was just that it's never too late. Whatever it is in life, whether it's a relationship that needs to be rekindled or, you know, a conversation that needs to be had between two people, you know, to reconcile, or maybe there's something that you want to do. You know, in my case, it was getting back into doing this podcast. You know, there's something that you want to do, or there's something that's been on your heart or your mind, you know, that you just feel like, man, I'm called. I feel like I have like, like sort of almost like a calling or, you know, that, that I need to do this, whatever it is, or, or, you know, maybe it's the new year you want to get in better shape mentally or physically, whatever it is. I, I really firmly believe that it's never too late. You know what I mean? Um, and I think our relationship as brothers is a good example of that. You know, I mean, even though our distance didn't happen through any fault of my own, um, I think the fact that it that it came back around in the manner that it did at the time of my life that it did, I'm just really thankful for it, you know. And um, no matter where I live, I will always be there for all my siblings. So uh, for what it's worth, man, I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Um, I hope you got something out of this uh, you know, we laugh a lot when we talk to each other and, you know, music is something we both, we both really enjoy and love. So it was a lot of fun. So on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening to the show. Um, as far as listening to the show, I mean, whether it's the Podbean app, a lot of you is out there, I'm sure have iPhones. You can listen to it on Apple music. Um, I'm going to be working on, you know, trying to, to work on this feed and stuff too, to change the name. And 
I'm not the greatest with that stuff, but I'm going to try to make it work. So thank you for checking out the show, man. I, I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, just keep the faith, be kind to one another, love each other. And, uh, I'll see you on the next show. Thanks again for checking it out, you guys.